Coming to you from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of... I could have kept going. The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, YouTube, and more for another rousing and riveting installment of the official podcast of Underground Music Collective. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become, which has been our opening theme song here at the Quinn Spin since the great year of 2014, and it will be until the very end of days. And I'm excited about this one. This one, I feel, is a long time coming. A lot of ground to cover. I have O'Brien joining me on the show, who we did a feature together for UMC about two and a half years ago. Literally sat down for that interview like a week and a half before the Nashville tornado, a few weeks before the COVID shutdowns. A lot certainly has changed in the world, the creative landscape, I'm sure both of our lives. So I'm excited to have you on because it was such a great feature, such a great conversation last time. I'm just excited to see where this one goes. So thank you for coming. Fuck yeah. Can I swear? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is the internet. <laughs> I don't give a shit. This is the internet, man. Yeah, yeah. Wild West. It's the Wild West. I'm, West. I'm not owned by any network. Oh, yeah. I own my own network. There we go. Like Oprah. You got that intro down. Well, I know. It's It's snappy. It's been nine years, nine plus (laughs) years of like doing it over and over. You know, like I honestly didn't think I'd be doing this this long, but here we are. Uh, But it's it's evolved over time. You know, I've just kept adding things to it. It's changed as the show has changed and as I've changed locations, you know, so. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm. But it's 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 I mean it's part of every show. It's it's just it's just there, you know, like it or not. <laughs> but most people seem to enjoy it. Most people seem at least entertained by it or at least humoring me. But anyway, not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about life and you and your artistry. And so I ask every guest of the show three standard questions and answer oh, these boy. however you'd like. So they are who are you? What are your passions and why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? I am O'Brien, an absolute degenerate. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I go by O'Brien. Um, it's like a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the right word, right? Yeah. Yeah, I found it. Um, and from the source that I got it from, because I don't, I don't even know if we talked about that. I don't know if we did. Back then? No. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'll let it rip. Yeah, let it rip. Um, so it's from the book 1984. Uh-huh. And... Um, we read that in, I want to say, sophomore English for, like, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I had, like, a really cool teacher. And she was like, all right, we're going to go around the room. And we're going to make um, uh, educated guesses <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as, like, you know, where we think the story's going. Um, how much of, you know, like, that foreseen future applies to now mm-hmm. um and i remember saying that the o'brien character i thought was kind of going to be like a double agent mm-hmm. and then i was like really strong about that i remember like i did like a mini thesis just like in my own time because i'm a fucking nerd um <laughs> <laughs> and um i turned out to be completely wrong and he was basically like the like actual like human like antagonist the whole time he was Mm. the one like pulling the strings um and that kind of resonated and at the time um i was going by i had i don't know like 20 followers on soundcloud 
and I was just going by like whatever first popped into my head of like this is it, mm-hmm. which it wasn't. <laughs> um, and then yeah, that that kind of hit me as like, oh, like you know, perception can be deceiving, and you know, playing into how I saw, how I sort of still see myself. I was like, yeah, this works. Um, next thing was what are your passions? Passion. I don't have any. <laughs> um, honestly, self-expression. Um, that could be, you know, anything from how you choose to look, uh, you know, what you wear, how you style yourself, how you represent yourself, uh, what you choose to talk about, what you don't. Um, I think self-expression is like the driving force to a lot of things, which goes undermined. Um, and I feel like that kind of gets lost in the uh you know the business and like the the step program as far as how you should go about being an artist of whatever kind you know like you're writing a book you have to get that edited seven times by a whole team you're writing a movie um it might not even see you know the smallest uh you know indie film festival screen for seven years because the whole process mm-hmm. um you know you're creating a body of music and um you could either be going against yourself and be like no i want to take this somewhere different it's been too long or you could be you know at a different point in your career and then it's got to make sure everyone at that big long desk on that top floor of the label has to you know at least somewhat see what you're trying to do Mm -hmm. so i feel like when you you circle back to just like really putting care and Mm -hmm. focus into how you want to go about things. Um, I think it opens a lot of doors and there's, you know, there's other stuff where it's like, like a nice meal, you know, or it's like (laughs) stuff like that for like life that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be passionate about, but as far as like to the core, I would say self-expression. Well, I mean, that's huge. And that's what helps you find your true audience as opposed to the audience manufactured for you, you know, by external forces. So why on earth would you want to choose this show to express yourself as a vehicle to express yourself? Got to reconnect, man. Yeah, yeah. Reconnect. Yeah. Did this when I was 19. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, we did that feature on Underground Music Collective. It was you and Puff Host playing over yep. at somewhere over there by Belmont. I don't even Boulevard remember. Boulevard Records. Boulevard Records. That was it. I couldn't for the life of me, like, remember that I drive by it all the time. I'm just like, oh, it still exists. I don't know if it's still there. And that's the thing. Like, I think it's something different now. And I'm like, or maybe it's not. And I just forgot that it was called Boulevard Records. Mm-hmm. And I like, I drive by it all the time. I'm like, what was the name of that place? Like, which one of these was it? Yeah. But like, I'm in that area because I door dash sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like that show, like you and Puff Host, like two very different acts, but both rooted in this idea of unabashed self expression you know? yeah and we we before that we had actually sat down backstage and done this interview for this feature we'd end up writing you know yeah. and it was it was powerful because like i i think i told you because a few weeks ago we ran into each other at one of our national live shows over at cobra mm-hmm. and like you came up to me you're like do you remember me i'm like of course i do yeah, yeah that was a big one for me because I was having a really bad day that day. Like I was about to break things off with this girl. Like I was just not feeling like, you know, being a human that day. Yep. And I come and we have that conversation 
And it was just one of those like, okay, this is what I do this for. Like I can always come to this yeah. thing, you know, whenever the rest of the world's kind of breaking down around me, like I have this, you know, I have this, this outlet, this yep. platform, yep. you know? So, and that feature came out about a month later after the COVID shutdowns, because this, this interview was like a few weeks before uh, the country had shut down. Yeah, and I finally the had time. timing was crazy. Yeah. You know, I had time to sit down, transcribe it. Your uh, release Red had just come out. You were working on a quadrilogy of releases at the time. Yeah. Um, but I want to use this opportunity to catch up and just talk about, you know, what's what you've been working on. Of course, what's coming down the pike. But before we do that, I want people to get to know the real you in the context of how you came to this creative path. So formative experiences, formative influences of yours, mm. like what made you want to dig so far into music and pursue it and connect with people in this way? Oh, shit. I feel like I'm going to uh, like properly like rephrase maybe the way like I wanted to have said things um, back when we did the, the interview. Um, I mean, the, the main like reason, uh, you know, there's the fact that one, I've always loved writing. Um, it was just, you know, you could, you could take your time with it. Even still, like part of me still prefers to, um, you know, text people because I can really like make sure um you know the point i'm trying to make either gets across to the best of my ability or just being able to um you know take those moments and either like reconfigure things in my head or um just try to say things like um like the best way possible because i feel like um anytime there's like a pause in conversation especially if it's like heated or it's like emotion-based it, it can be taken in so many different ways um and I kind of saw that as a kid of just like um I can focus on you know whatever this is this is a mine like I fully control it which definitely developed <laughs> some bad habits <laughs> with that process um but yeah writing was always just something I turned to and then um as far as like the need to do it um i mean like definitely like mental health <laughs> yeah you know i'm fucked up um <laughs> aren't so, we all yeah in our own ways yeah yeah um but it, it just felt like a like a call to action i remember the first time um i wrote a song i was in i want to say third grade and it was just you know some very small scaled uh writing assignment being like okay class like we're gonna do this today and i remember i like sprung up my little arm raised my hand and i was like oh like can i write a song instead and like vividly remember every single head in that classroom just like turning around and like looking at me because i was like in the back mm -hmm. um and the song was complete garbage and honestly it didn't even have anything to do with the prompt um <laughs> but the teacher was like yeah cool um and then Ever since then, it was like, I don't have to, I don't have to be afraid of this, mm -hmm. um, because as a kid, I also uh, danced, and so you know, being introduced to the stage and um, 
inadvertently just performing in front of hundreds of people because, you know, there could be two to 300 kids at, you know, each competition. And with that, you have to think families, Mm -hmm. friends, um, you know, they always say like younger fans are the ones you want to have, you know, depending on your genre. But as far as like the overall um, machine of like the music industry, because, you know, oh, you know, little girl wants to go see Justin Bieber. She can't go by herself. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we we went from one ticket sold to three or four. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I loved being on stage and it definitely um, like pushed me through you know, like the training of it, whereas like, I don't get stage fright. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't worry about like my steps. Um, cause I've, you know, done it for so long, yeah. maybe not consecutively, but you know, you start doing that when you're a little, little kid, when you're, you know, in that, uh, stage of your life where you're just a sponge mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, like, yeah, we, we got this down now. Um, but getting into it, it was super daunting. Um, you know, just feeling like the warmth of the lights mm-hmm. was one of those things where I'm like, well, this doesn't feel like like a normal room. Right, right. And then, you know, like the theatrics of it, mm-hmm. the curtain opening and closing and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, Such a high stakes moment when yeah, the curtain yeah, yeah. opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you were, you know, sitting backstage and you were watching everyone else go and go and go. Um, And yeah, it was just like a, a crazy um you know like instant high Mm -hmm. and then um i mean maybe not so as much being a kid but you know you get like the instant gratification you know dopamine oh this is amazing and then the show's over Mm -hmm. and then it's like ah fuck you go through that withdrawal yeah yeah and so withdrawal that was like i feel like happening under the surface because i was still like you know around my buddies or like met up with so-and-so fucking went to Chili's after (laughs) just some (laughs) shit like that. (laughs) But yeah, just that like, you know, up to down was kind of like always going on um, under the surface and I didn't really like recognize it. So once I stopped doing that, writing again was like, oh, like the lights don't have to be on, you know, Um, the fucking um, like small, like, theater arena doesn't have to be filled and you know the applause isn't ear shattering and you know waiting to see you know what place we got or whatever so writing was like you know i can just turn to it whenever i could have a notepad on me for this i don't have to finish you know what this song could be i don't have to finish this poem um and it was just like a lot of uh enjoyment as far as like figuring out how i should write and what clicks for me Mm -hmm. and you know flash forward to now um a buddy of mine who's on my song self-destruct eight corpses um if you guys don't know him you should um but he he hit me with an open which is basically like you know he has his parts in the song Mm -hmm. that like bass master or whatever and then there's just like the open instrumental, which would be for a feature or, you know, someone else to collaborate and write something together or whatever. And he sent me that. Um, and I turned him, the, I turned around the verse for him in like three minutes. And it's like actually good. And him and I like talked about it for the rest of the night. But it's like, 
there was so much um uh like training i think i wasn't aware of where i can just like zone in on it now mm-hmm. um which is cool yeah it becomes second nature after a while yeah. you know like you get enough of those reps you know of writing of structuring you know that it does become second nature like even the show like the intro you mentioned yeah. the intro well that's nine years of doing it yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. it just rolls off to where like i can't think about it because if i do think about it i'm gonna screw it up yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i just need yeah. to just like go into this autopilot mode and just like let things flow and being able to get into that flow state pen to paper you know has definitely it, it's helped you in your expression you know the last time that we uh got together you know, we talked a lot about the emotional expression and how art serves to open people up and start these conversations we're afraid to have. You know, yeah. you had mentioned yourself that like you'd pointed out, like in society, we're afraid to cry in front of people. You I know? love that I said that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's true. Like, you know, you think about like how we were raised as boys, you know, in I grew up in rural New Jersey, like you didn't show emotions. You just, you know, you, you toughed it out. You got yeah. angry. You sucked it up. I heard that all through my childhood and we're realizing now i think we're coming to a point especially you know since the pandemic where we realize that we all need to find healthier ways of dealing with our emotions and so for you you've been using music to deal with your emotions and to express your emotions for years so like how have you evolved or how have you seen that evolution take place throughout the course of the pandemic and how has it impacted what you right and what you're working on right now um i think <laughs> i think the pandemic um was just like a big reality check um for everyone in their own ways mm-hmm. but i mean to the root of it all it's like we we have our routines and we do what we do and um we practice what we know because, you know, that's what works and this is it and this is life. Um, and then that kind of came in and, um, I mean, you know, it shook it all up. Yeah. Yeah. Besides from the horrible, you know, losses Mm -hmm. and complications and everything that, uh, spewed out of it. Um, I think it was, you know, in a more, positive outlook to look back at it um Mm. it was just like um a wake-up call yeah it was a wake-up call it had to had to stir things up um kind of put everything in a, a different perspective and i would say i've had a lot of those moments from the pandemic up until now um it's only really up until recently that I um, have been able to take them for what they are and to try and, you know, adapt and to bring that um, into how I go about things now. Because a lot of it, again, like I mentioned before, where as a kid, you know, feeling like I had complete control with whatever I wrote, Mm -hmm. because you do, you know, it's up to you as far as what you put on the page. but that definitely spewed a lot of bad habits right. and you know that might not necessarily be oh i'm not open to criticism because i am i'm not open to um new ideas 
it's just like there was a a very big like centering on as far as like not like this has to sound like mm-hmm. me um yeah an attachment know. to a certain style to yeah. a certain mode of expression but even even with just like a day-to-day life um <laughs> like i read a book <laughs> over the summer and uh and i laugh about that just cuz it's like i never maybe not never but um as far as who i am as a person being able to sit down and you know remain still and <laughs> focus on turning pages and really like uh internalizing what i'm taking in when it's not a movie it's not a song it's not this chaotic thing it's just words on a page it's just words on a page yeah. dog in a silent room um but yeah like uh it helped me um put a lot of pieces together um and so now i'm at a point where um control um it's hard to see it as anything but negative because mm-hmm. even even with the you know what i stand for as a person in my issues with uh authority and um you know anything of that sort i'm against control mm-hmm. you know i'm against the things have to be done this way we will never change we will never learn so how how could i uh as someone who's trying to not be a leader, but um, I guess like a, a representative to it, how could I be like, yeah, that's all well and good. And then, you know, when the door closes, I'm just like, I need to control everything. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. It just, it wasn't working out. <clears throat> yeah. And um, that's led a lot even to uh, the creative process. Mm-hmm. You know, there were times where even even six months ago i was like feeling a kick and i was like you know what i'm gonna make the deluxe to this album that's not gonna be out for this long and i'm gonna do it today and i did i produced and wrote like seven songs that day i didn't eat until like 8 p.m and i was like this was good (laughs) Like, (laughs) like this was healthy um and now i'm like you know if i can't get the line right i'm just gonna go to bed Right. Um, I'm just going to let it, you know, be what it has to be. It doesn't need to be this. I have to best myself. I have to, I have to prove everyone wrong. I have to, you know, do this. Yeah. It's just fucking exhausting. Yeah. And I mean, I hit that wall and I was like, fuck this. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of the day, it's got to be good enough for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it takes time to develop those ideas, you know? And one thing that I've realized, you know, over the course of, my creative journey is that you're you're rarely going to get it right the first time. Yeah. You're rarely going to get it right the first time, but each time, each attempt is a part of the process of bringing yourself to a greater station of creativity that you can be proud of, satisfied with. You learn from every single project, you learn from every everything you do whether it ends up seeing the light of day or not, you know. So the important thing is to keep creating, but also know when your creative juice is just about tapped because we look, we all get overtired. You know, we all have those days where we're not feeling a whole lot of inspiration. You know, there are other things weighing on our minds. And I was just talking to Foundation Mecca, a previous guest on last week's episode about this, about how you can't force it. Mm hmm. 
because people will know when it's forced. You will know when it's forced. And ultimately yeah. something forced is not something you're going to be proud of. Yeah. So it's good to take those moments and understand, recognize the way you're feeling, mm-hmm. the way that you're feeling and how that's reflecting in the work and whether you can do work that you'll be proud of your best work per se in that current state. And sometimes it is best to just be like, let me leave this alone. Yeah. And there's a lot of clarity too, to just being, um, nothing has to be planned. Right. You you can have ideas, but I mean, I have, I'm not going to say too much about it. Um, but I have a, a whiteboard, um, and my friends know, uh, past people I've worked with know, uh, roommates have known, you know, that object uh for the longest time for me was like the physical form of being able to see that like this guy's a threat Mm -hmm. and oh he can you know he can do this and i would talk to people where you know it's like oh um overheard that um you know so and so in whatever band they might get dropped because they haven't been able to turn out a song in six months Mm -hmm. And my, even still to this day, just because like the way I've honed it in, but differently, more ignorant back then, Mm -hmm. I would immediately interject and be like, they're fucking pathetic. Like, get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you doing? Right. You know, here I am with this, 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 and this is going to come out after this time Mm -hmm. and this, this, this. Um, And it developed this like, uh, you know, complex of... um, you know, I'm, I'm being skipped out on mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, underappreciated and it's just not healthy. Right. Um, and then, you know, I would talk to my brother about it and he's like, dude, like take it out of your room. Mm-hmm. And when he first said that, I was like, it like put me in like an existential crisis. So I was like, if I take this out of my room, if I don't see it every day, how do I know, you know, how do I know that those ideas do exist? Um, how how is the room going to look without it? Right. Um, which might sound, you know, stupid, but it's true. It's just, it was one of those things. And now it's, it's not in the room and I still have it, you know, on my phone and I'll look back at it from time to time to rework ideas. Um, but yeah, it was just part of this control, this plan. Everything has to go according to plan. Cause I idolized people that did the same thing. I right. found out, um, from my chemical romance, uh, jarred way. Um, there's this, I guess you could say documentary on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called life on the murder scene or something like that. It's like two hours. It was like a full, um, you know, from beginning all the way getting up to that point of when Three Cheers uh, was out for like, I don't know, maybe two years or something. Mm-hmm. So like right before the Black Parade kicked in. Yeah. Um, and in that he said, yeah, like at the first show we ever played, I wore a T-shirt that had our next EP's name on it. And hearing that from him, from, I mean, in my opinion, a genius, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, like. I'm not the only one that does this, you know, someone that I look up to in some way or another does the same thing. So this is good. Mm -hmm. You know, this works. 
and you know just not realizing that the scales were so different as everyone's path is um it kind of turned into uh oh my outlet turned on me Mm -hmm. you know it didn't work it didn't it didn't pan out right um you know the snowballs that i was trying to roll down the hill um (laughs) turned out the hill was a flat driveway (laughs) and i was just like this is gonna work Mm -hmm. it's snowing um but yeah so it was just a lot of um trying to look at it uh differently Mm -hmm. and finding you know uh a straight way through it of um just like fuck like i'm i'm so sick of this Mm -hmm. and like i need to i need to go about it in a in a different way and um it's it's led me to like a very like okay i'm back yeah creatively yeah i i think assessing your process is sometimes is necessary but also consistently one of the healthiest things you can do yeah 100 percent. you know i have to be on you yeah and you have to I think except that you don't know all the answers. You don't know what the future holds. I mean, the pandemic showed us all that, you know. I don't think we were expecting to be in lockdown a few weeks after that last interview, you know. But, you know, having some room to adjust, having some room to do something, to follow the trail on an opportunity should it arise that runs counter to what's the grand vision laid out, in your case, on a whiteboard, there has to be some flexibility. Sometimes the most unplanned things lead to the most – to to the richest experiences mm-hmm. and to the most meaningful experiences where then it feels like the switch flips and you're like, you found something that you, yep. if you had stuck to the plan, you wouldn't have found before. I, I, you know, I, I've mentioned this on a few episodes now. I took a month in the, in the Northeast over the summer hmm. and I was not planning to stay up there for a month, but I did it because I felt like I needed to, I felt like I needed to re- refill my cup and the entire time in the weeks leading up, I'm like, is this a good idea? How can I leave Nashville for this long? What, yeah. what, it was the best thing I could have done Yep. because I got to go live my life, another part of it for a while. So I can come back to this one fresh and firing on all cylinders yep. without that, you know, because the original plan was go up, work a festival, come back here for two weeks, go back to the beach and then come all the way back again Two <sighs> 800 mile trips one way, you know, well four really. So you're talking 3,200 miles on the road in a month. Plus, you know, I'm not even anywhere long enough to appreciate, enjoy it, to mm-hmm. recharge. Yeah. You know, and then I come back here. If I do that, just as frazzled as ever, if I had stuck to the plan, I stayed. I found work up there. I made sure things were running fine, fine enough back here. I'm just like, I'm going to take this time for me. Yeah. Take this time to recalibrate. Best thing I could have done because I actually came back refreshed and recalibrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just goes to show, like, sometimes what you hadn't planned on is the best thing for you and being willing to let go of that sense of, I need to control this. I need to control everything about my environment, you know, everything from, from bell to bell that happens in every single day. Eventually that does turn on you, like you said, and it's going to start eating you alive. If one thing goes imperfectly, one hair is out of place, then it's going to feel like you failed. You know, if you're striving for that level of, perfection it's impossible and even uh you know with the work ethic you know um rest in peace but kobe's 
mentality, mm-hmm. you know, like the Mamba yeah. mentality of mm-hmm. you're the first at the gym, you're the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you practice three extra times, you know, whatever it might have been. Um, it just it doesn't work for everyone. Right. And then, you know, with with music, what's the line? Um, oh, fuck, I'm blanking on the line. It's um, it's Kanye. Um, uh, three beats a day for two summers on five CPUs. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you should already be at that point that you can like, yeah, I make, I can make beats. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have to be, um, on it that much? And what are you actually creating? Are you, you know, filling the quota? Mm-hmm. Or are you making your best thing mm-hmm. every single time? And does it lead to just a bunch it. of unfinished projects? Yeah, yeah. You know, that never even have the room to grow. And what does that turn into when it's just like, again, thrown back in that just mental warfare mm-hmm. of, oh, well, you know, today was a waste because I didn't even finish any of them. And then that doesn't count. And then it's like, you're you're doing it to yourself. Right, um, right. And there's there's time and place, and I'm not gonna ignore those kicks when mm-hmm. I'm like, "Fuck it, seven songs today, let's go." Yeah, um, you know. But to it, be on like that all the time, yeah, no, it's it's not sustainable, no, you know. And I think it's ridiculous. And I think here in Nashville, like the co-writing culture, I think you know, a a particularly toxic aspect of it, for lack of a better term, is I need to come out of this right with a hit. I need to come out of this right with this song, or I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like. Yeah, and that that comes, I think, with a lot of industry pressure. You know, that kind of mentality informs that kind of outlook, right? Like, oh, this right needs to go well. I need this. When it's more natural to you, the better songs are going to come. Because going Mm -hmm. back to that point about you can't force anything, like I I've seen so many artists. I think over the past couple years, and even over the past decade since I started the show, like choosing to remain independent, choosing to remain on their own path, because then. The songs will come as they come. The songs will be what they are meant to be and not what someone else tries to mold them into. There's no external pressure. You know, you think of somebody like Macklemore, the heist just passed its 10 year anniversary, you know, and my favorite artist. (laughs) I mean, some people think he's corny, but like, I really admire what Macklemore has done because they literally did that thing from the ground up with no outside help, you know, choosing to remain independent. And all of a sudden, you know, 10 years later, like, you know, everyone knows who he is, love him or hate him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've seen artists, you know, who've done the major label thing or tried to pursue that route, then come back and say, I'm tired of having someone tell me what my art needs to be. I'm going to create on my own Yeah. because when they're telling you what it needs to be, like there's so much, pre- so much pressure to write the song this way, do it this way. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Like all that happy yeah. horse shit. And at the end of the day, like it takes the creativity. It takes the fun. It takes the joy out of creating art and the whole creative process. It is a process. It's not a manufacturing process. Yeah. It's a process of trial and error. It's a process of finding what works. It's a process of finding your voice in all of this because that's how you're going to actually connect to the people that connect with who you actually are. Yeah, I, I mean, even just make the mistake, whether that's on a more extreme side of it, of 
oops, this label deal kind of fucked me. And Mm -hmm. now I know that I don't want to go that route. It's like, cool. Now, you know, Um, you know, I look back on the album that, uh, you know, we really dove into Mm -hmm. because it like just released at that time. Still have some love for it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not like, um, I'm not showcasing it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, (laughs) I tweeted one time, like a few months ago, I was like, red out now, just as a complete joke. (laughs) Um, cause it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's something to, to learn from. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a previous point along the journey at this point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was like the first, first benchmark, you know, I listened back and I'm like, oh man, but that's okay. And, um, you know, the other crucial thing, which in my opinion is most important, don't be fucking boring, mm-hmm. um, which can happen again with the assembly line or it can happen with I've overdone it and I've nothing else to say because I kind of hit that point. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like really, really getting into like writing this one song. Um, I don't even know if it ever came to be anything, but I was like, no, like. I've said that before in a better way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, am I just going to talk about that again? Like, no, right. I, don't, I don't really feel like it. And it just kind of hit me in that moment of like, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, word choice or like using a thesaurus, but as far as the overall, like, um, the know, sentiment. Yeah. The yeah. sentiment and the point of it. And, um, that whole just planning, planning, planning. It was like, I created this, um what should have been uh like a ramp and now it just goes so so high above me mm-hmm. and i'm like okay shit that's tall <laughs> like, <laughs> like fuck um but yeah just don't don't be boring um whether that's you know production choices or the notes you're choosing to hit or the riffs or the tempo or fucking whatever um create something new yeah well not even necessarily new because in my opinion originality is dead and when you're sitting in that room with the pen and the pad or the beat machine or Mm. the guitar whatever it might be and if you're either first getting into it or you're trying to develop a new sound or you know like the next era Mm -hmm. of what you could be known for yeah um like uh if you print out you know all of these pictures of, you know, the biggest artists and, you know, whatever. And you do like the red yarn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, when yeah. like people are trying to like crack a case mm-hmm. and it just takes up your whole wall and your manic is shit. You're not going to get anywhere. Right. Um, so, you know, the whole, I have to be the first to do this. Like, no, like artists steal. Right. Like if you're an artist, you, you know, the rules to break them mm-hmm. and just, that's why I feel like a lot of people aren't actually artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate being called a musician. I fucking hate it. I'm not a musician. I I don't know, you know, how to play an instrument like the back of my hand. I do enough to get by. Mm-hmm. I didn't take songwriting courses. I wasn't mentored. Um, you know, everything I do is very juvenile, but like that's the point of it. Um I talked to 
a lot of people about this point, but more so recently, uh, my manager, where it's like, um, you know, we're, we're starting to get things off the ground. And so it's a lot of uh, questions and, you know, show me, show me what you like to listen to versus, you know, what you like to make whenever you're making something like make sure you play through the speakers so I can hear it. And we'll just talk about, you know, which, uh, which one he heard that turned out to be his favorite or, you know, which tracks we should choose for a performance coming up. Um, um, just to, you know, build like an understanding. And I bring up the point all the time of nobody gives a shit if you can play guitar. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares in the same vein of, you know, if you mess up that big label opportunity, they're not going to come chase you. Right. They're going to find the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you if you set yourself up as a singer songwriter and I play guitar. This is this. <laughs> it's like, dude, cool. Like, but you're putting yourself in a, you're pigeonholing yeah, yourself. Exactly. You're, you're pigeonholing yourself to playing at small bars and writers rounds and open mics. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know to, to me that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, resonate um, as far as how, I would think, you know, mm. art should be yeah. done. Yeah. And that's not to say where it's like <laughs> everything needs to be punk. <laughs> and it's like right. everything you need to be angry, dude. Like you're not screaming enough. Right. It just needs to be authentic. Yeah. It needs to be it, real. It needs to be it needs to be authentic and it needs to be interesting. The, that the doesn't si- necessarily mean it's like so and so has used <laughs> this BPM before, so I can't. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can use that. Just Make it your own. Make it your own and have fun with it. Don't yeah. be like, um, oh, the guitar was slightly out of tune, mm. so scrap the whole thing. Right. It's like, no, you should listen over and see if you actually like it. Yeah. It let, doesn't matter that it's not right. Let those little happy accidents be. An artist yeah. who's been on the show a couple of times, Richard String, just dropped an album's worth of demos. Imperfect, yeah. like a lot of scratch tracks. It's incredible. Yeah. Because like it's coming from a real place. It's not polished. And that's the point. Like he wanted to release it, get on, you know, from this era of his life. And he's he's an incredibly creative guy. Does a lot of you know, he's done a lot of like synth pop production in his own work in the past. But like this is like an alt rock album. But the like the song structure and the sensibility, the the melodies are still there. And it's really incredible work. You, you mentioned the singer songwriter thing. I think it's funny because like. Somebody branding themselves as a singer songwriter drives me up a wall. It's so stupid. It is the <laughs> most. I'm a singer songwriter from anywhere USA. You and everybody else. You know yeah. what drives me up a wall? Just like that. That's just as annoying. Now, I'm first name, middle name. I'm a singer songwriter. Mm. Like, come up with something creative. Yeah. Everyone's using. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm getting. I'm getting on my. I'm getting on my box right now. Everybody's using <laughs> their first and middle name. And it's not setting you apart from everyone else using your first and middle name. What does it tell me? It tells me that you weren't creative enough to (laughs) come up with a better artist name or just use, how about this? Your first and last name. Then it's you and you're not just trying to appeal to country radio. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Woo. It's not a job application. I got a little, I got a little hot there. No, get hot. See, that's the thing is I, I don't know. I I find different ways to be pissed off, whether it's the day to day, whether it's, something going on internally, something going on personally, or just the overall, um, which 
I don't know. Maybe I won't ever like how, you know, things are ran or mm-hmm. how things go. But there's just there's plenty of those types of moments, even even universally. It's like, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. I like to travel. I like music. I love music. It's like fucking oh, oh all my different God. kinds. OK, cool. Yeah. I'm talking like to a Manila folder right now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, dude. I'm talking to a Manila full. Yeah. That might be the best quote ever in the history. Of Run show. it. <laughs> Buy me tacos and touch my butt. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Be original, folks. Mm-hmm. Like, live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Yeah. My sister has a live, laugh, love sign up oh, in the. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, me and my niece make fun of her all the time. Yeah. Love you, Joel. This is the second straight ep- episode where I've roasted my sister. Oh, shit. It's okay. She What's her listen. name? Jolene. My bad. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I roast her all the time. I do it to her face. It's okay. gotcha. uh, we have that, we have that understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm the mm-hmm. best worst camaraderie. Little, I'm the best worst little brother in the world. That's I pride myself on that. Same. But um, but oh man, like the the first middle name thing, the singer songwriter, like it doesn't do anything to set you apart. It doesn't tell me anything about who you are as an artist, what your story is. It just tells me that you saw everyone else branding themselves that way, so therefore you decided to brand yourself that way. Yeah. Which puts you in the same pool as everyone else, not standing out. Congratulations. You're contributing to oversaturation. See, here's the thing. Like when I first moved to Nashville, like it was like everything about the industry is great. And whatever the industry standard is, is what should happen. Absolutely not. And here's like over the past year, I've done a lot of self-worth, you know, self-reflection, healing work. And a byproduct of that is honestly, I'm not afraid to talk this shit anymore. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. expect a lot more of this here in year 10 folks. Anyway, um you can't be no you can't be like afraid to do that um because it's also it's like again with the whole self-worth thing um it's it's time and place but it's also like do i want to talk to this person right now right no like i remember when i first moved to nashville um i had like a long black middle part fewer tattoos um but i was wearing like i don't know like a sleeveless shirt and like some crazy you know pants or whatever just like being me mm-hmm. and I was at a party and this dude come up, comes up to me. He's in boot cut jeans, cowboy boots, and he has a shirt tucked in. He's like, what's up, man? I'm insert name. And he's like, who do you know here? And I'm like sipping my drink and I'm just like, why? Why? And he's like, I feel like you do music. And I was like, uh-huh. Well, here, listen to Shocker. mine. Okay, bye. Shocker in yeah. Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Good mm-hmm. icebreaker, homie. And I'm like, yeah, I do a alternative punk rap. He's like, cool. Like, I'm in a country. Um, we should like, we should talk more. And I was like, no, <laughs> just walked away. It's like, I'm, I'm fucking good, dude. I don't, I don't need that. Um, and that's not on like ego shit where it's like, I mean, do I like country? No. Um, but actually, it's, try it's, to... it's just personal where I'm like, right. yeah, no, like, I don't think we're going to get along mm-hmm. and I don't want to force it. And that's not worth my time. So drive home safe, pal. Well, well, the thing is, too, I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to do business first. You actually have to build a relationship first. That's like and that's the thing. And like if you've been in Nashville a while, like you get the sense of like who's here to build relationships and who's here to just kind of further themselves. Right. And it's a general understanding, at least in my circles, that like you become friends before you work together. Because that's that's where the that's where the best work's gonna come from. That's where the most authentic, organic collaboration is gonna come from. But also, you need your tribe. You need your community around you because we're all on this crazy ride individually. 
yet together. And we all need to pick each other up when things don't go as planned. Yeah. Right. So it's very important to build relationships and not just make them transactional. Like I'm, I'm the same way where I see right through the transactional stuff. Like, this is another thing, again, you know, that, that I'm now unafraid to say. I know the difference between somebody who wants to engage with this platform and the diff- and somebody who just comes around every time they have something. Yeah. And that matters to me. If you're on 100%. This, if you're on this stage talking to me, it's because I know you're a real person and you're not just trying to use this. Yeah. Or me. You know, and that's a real thing. And look, I'm not like, you know, this platform's not, you know, Joe Rogan level. Not <laughs> Joe <laughs> Rogan. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of popularity, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever your thoughts are like, I understand, you know, my place in the ecosystem as it currently stands. However, I've been burned by that before, yeah. you know, where I thought somebody was authentic and it turns out, you know, as soon as I was no longer useful to them or as soon as we had an interpersonal conflict that, you know, was easily resolvable they didn't want to resolve it because this was merely a transactional thing to them Mm -hmm. i've had that happen yeah so like i you know this is another thing i've been bringing up a lot on the show is like you have to manage the energy around you and i only want energy around me that's real that's authentic that's here to build a relationship first and foremost because as we do that whatever collaboration is going to come is going to come but i'm not just like you i'm not going to just force a collaboration yeah just to say I did, you know, I'm not going to be like, I need to work with this person and not even assess after a while why I want to work with that person. Yeah, no, I make fun of networking all the damn time mm-hmm. um, at that show where mm-hmm. we like resaw each other. Yeah. Um, I told my manager, I was like, anyone like you want me to talk to mm-hmm. or like who you know here, um, like bring them to me because mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk up be like, I, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> like I do this. My name's O'Brien. I do this. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, right. Like I'm not even, I'm not even a people person. So mm-hmm. like when you were saying like, you know, like have, have your tribe, like that's definitely happened. Um, and it's happened organically, which is great. Um, and again, like a different kind of wake up call where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's something to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I don't know. Like I'll, I'll talk to a stranger when I want to talk to a stranger or I'll spark conversation when it, you know, seems like it fits the situation, but I'm not, I'm not walking around like always being like, I wonder who I'm going to make friends with today. Right. (laughs) Right. Trying to force conversations. Yeah, No, I want my interactions to occur naturally. 100%. And if you happen to be such and such in a position to help, like, cool. Mm -hmm. If not, that's cool too. I connected with a human being, the human connection to me is so much more important than the transactional BS that that happens, you know? And again, like it doesn't really happen in my circles, but I think that's because I've cultivated, cultivated my circles to the degree to where it won't happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it takes time to get there. You know, you have to learn the lesson. You have to, yeah, you have to have been there and been burned by a couple of those transactional type relationships to know what to look out for, you know? But once you do like, then you're able to create amongst your community, create better stuff and connect it to more actual humans who, who jive with it, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it's all part of that process, right? It's an understated part of the creative process, relationship building, but building the right relationships on a human level yeah, no. as opposed to this transactional, like clout chasing. Yeah. I hate the, the cut the check. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a big part is like how, um, you know, we want to reconfigure, you know, 
my process in general of how stuff gets out there, what it sounds like, um, what level of compromise, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is to be had because I never been a fan of, you know, just like, oh, well, we can't get the sound to this point. So how about this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. Um, but just the, yeah, no, like, I fuck with your sound, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, here's my PayPal, send me that. And then, yeah, versus, like, actually, you know, like, spending time, like, talking about it. Or, mm-hmm. like, what, what you were saying about, like, cultivating. Like, I'm trying to cultivate um, people that, like, want to be, like, a part of it. And want to be, like, yeah, no, like, I... I was his first DJ, you know, Mm -hmm. I did this for his first tour. I, I worked on, you know, this album and it's not just like, um, like a claim to fame or like a, uh, producer version of like an IMDB page. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it's like actually, you know, for what I'm trying to do, that's what we're trying to figure out right now. Um, and I don't really care how much, uh, time it takes because i feel like that's just like a really important thing for me um but no i i totally get it i again i i hate the the cut the check mentality where it's like yeah like everyone should be you know paid for their work and their services Mm -hmm. and you know nobody should starve i want you know everyone to eat that's around me yeah but you know are you around me or is it just like we got it yeah 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 Exactly. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Uh, the last time we <laughs> Nothing, spoke, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this all. No, yeah. The last time we spoke, uh, you were working on a quadrilogy yeah. of releases, you know, that were going to kind of weave their way through different genres, different moods, that kind yeah. of thing. So is that still in the works? I know it's been two and a half years. So basically, um, oh man, I can't, I can't even remember what it was at, at that point. Oh, no, I do remember. Yeah, it was going to be red. It was going to be something else. And then it was going to be blank part one, blank part two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, again, kind of being like, okay, this is what makes me a threat. You know, mm-hmm. um, this album, every song should be a different genre. And this, this, this. I had so many notebook pages of like dissecting each thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking do this. (laughs) This is gonna, this is my thing. And there's no one that's as versatile as me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, dude, you're trying so hard. (laughs) Um, yeah. So the quadrilogy is still in place. Um, oddly enough, I'm not even like counting red as part of that. Um, interesting. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It was super, uh amateur which is fine again you know just kind of getting into it um but another part of the process that i've start to reconfigure and somewhat idolize now is like letting it breathe Mm -hmm. you know um it's great that i can you know someone can sit me down be like we need a verse in five minutes Mm -hmm. like got it um 
but will that be the best verse I've ever written? No. Will it be good? Yes. Mm-hmm. So not in terms of, you know, needing to best myself and this, this, this. But if I had waited a little bit with Red, mm-hmm. if I had um, practiced a bit more, because my favorite, one of my favorite songs on that project is the opening track, Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. I made that track, I want to say like two weeks before we released it. I remember I was talking to um, my team at that point and I was like, this is my debut album and it's 15 minutes. I was like, that sucks. <laughs> and they were like, well, and I was like, no, I'm going to add another song. They're like, you're going to what? And I was like, I'm going to add another song. And then it turned out to be that. And I remember I made that and I was like already at a newer point Yeah. because those songs were made at, you know, this certain time and then you go through the actual um you know finalizing process which can take however long um i recorded every single one of the other songs in one day (laughs) in a college dorm Mm -hmm. and just destroyed my voice um and just to be like okay yeah like we got it done because it needed to get done yeah um but public enemy yeah like i remember i was putting that together on the computer i was like this this is better than everything else on the album Mm -hmm. you know fuck oh well um but yeah if i if i had waited and if i had stepped up a bit and i was like yeah no like this doesn't sound good enough like it's not loud enough it's not doing this it's not whatever 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 but you know i was just getting my feet wet and i was just stepping into a a different world where you know it was an actual engineer actual manager you know it wasn't just someone on social media or some dude that happened to be pretty good um recording you know me or getting mixes done because a buddy of mine that i went to high school with recommended him Mm -hmm. you know it was like actual people that you know honed honed in on their aspects of that industry Mm -hmm. um so you know flashing back to present day the whole quadrilogy um it's less of a um um you know like a like a box set mm-hmm. or like you know like every single book in the series you can buy it all in one yeah and it's a continuing story you know mm-hmm. it's the whole the whole thing um it's more so me kind of refining um the ideas of what it was at that point and there's still songs on certain projects that were already um, in a very similar place mm-hmm. at that point um, a few years back. But um, yeah, it's just stepped up. And my goal now is to just kind of piss people off and throw people uh, curveballs just in different ways where it's like the the first part of it, you know, it's very, you know, thrash and the punk rap stuff and um, explicit and calling actual important things out and not always just being like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, and then after that, it's like, 
my take on pop music. Mm -hmm. So we go from this underground, you know, disgusting, chaotic tour, bleeding every night, uh, you know, sweaty mosh pits, covered in fucking beer, whatever. And then we transition to like <laughs> Vivo music, <laughs> you know, where it's like that other side of it. Um, and again, like you were saying with like weeding out true fans and mm -hmm. people that actually want to be a part of it. Um, I want to act like I'm pigeonholing myself. Mm -hmm. I don't always want to have, you know, spiky hair. I don't always want to be the... Uh, the wild card, the crazy guy screaming for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a warp tour band. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't need to be me forever. Um, and it's great for what they do. And, you know, they have that audience and they let it, you know, grow to a certain point where they headline that type of genre. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But I want to be like an icon. I want to be working with stadiums. I want to be fucking, you knew who, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and whether that's egotistical, oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> um, self-worth baby. Um, but yeah, so it just, it took a form of less of, you know, this overarching story and, you know, this four part, <laughs> You haven't seen it all yet. Um, and it turned into just how I want to create like the path for my artistry. Again, you know, talking about the whiteboard before of mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm being skipped out. So-and-so can't even get a song done in six months. And I have, you know, this ready to go. I remember I was telling my roommate, um, a lot of people that have that overnight success Mm -hmm. which doesn't exist does not exist it took eight years to get that one night homie yep. mm -hmm. um but they get it and it's so much and they weren't prepared and they didn't take the time to think of you know how many people are in that room you know again at at that <laughs> round table listening mm -hmm. to the project and yeah. typing away on their laptops whether it's a and r's assistants fucking i don't know maybe a stylist is in there um people that worked on the project whatever where it's like, that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. You're you're sitting at that, you know, king seat and it's all eyes on you. And it's not, you know, fans that are all staring at you when you're on stage because that's a whole, you know, that's great. It's people that are, you know, this is their business. This mm -hmm. is their money. Where did my money go? You know, right. like loan sharks. Mm -hmm. A record deal is a fucking loan. So, you know, they step into that world and they're not prepared for it. And I would talk about that with my roommate and I'm like, I'm ready for a five album deal right now. Cause that's, that's how I've um, set myself up where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, one day I felt like making a punk song. One day I felt like making a ballad. One day I felt like making a pop song. One day I wanted to do some detuned, uh, very, um, uh trimmed down um like traditional punk song mm -hmm. or um uh piano instrumental or a fucking like dance hall uh mixed in with like thrash mm -hmm. um all of these ideas i didn't limit myself on 
So I just started kind of throwing them at the board. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he was like, oh, well, that's similar to this. And there's four songs like that. And then this kind of works with this thing. And then it just turned into, oh, shit, I have five albums. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not healthy. <laughs> it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what it turned into of just like the path that mm-hmm. I want to take. And, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more open. And that's something my manager and I have talked about a lot too, where it's like, don't, don't hold a strangling grip on these songs because, you know, you have this set up for seven years from now. You don't think you're going to write anything better mm-hmm. in those seven years. You right. don't think you're going to work with someone better when you get to that stadium point And that's the album that you want to be the world tour and the headliner and this, this, this. You know, by that point, I could be some of the greatest musicians could be in the studio. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn that down because I'm like, yeah, well, this is from when I was 16 and I had it planned. So fuck you. We're keeping this (laughs) like, no. Um, So it's 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 become a lot healthier. But as far as like the overall scope yeah, it's just like switching things up yeah. and um, just wanting to evolve and, yeah. and get better. And I just, I have it in front of me. Yeah, and I think that's one of the keys to longevity is evolution, being able to switch lanes, to switch gears, but keeping that common thread of you in everything else. That's the trend. Yeah. With any artist My who- My take on blank. Yeah. With any artist who endures over time, over decades- it's because they evolved, but there's always this thread of them in it. And by indoors, like, yeah, I mean, you can make one genre of music and tour on that, tour on the hit record for 20, 30 years. But I'm talking those who stay in that public consciousness, who stay relevant, mm-hmm. are the ones who evolve, the ones who speak to certain moments, the ones who switch it up. But it's the sound doesn't matter as much as it came from this artist. And their interpretation you can tell. of yeah. this, you know, there's just that there that undercurrent of them in it, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't need the next next project to be, you know, my 808s and heartbreak where I break all the rules and you've never heard anything like this before, and it becomes one of the most like um, influential projects of all time. Yeah. I don't need that, um, but I also refuse to be a flash in the pan. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just about, again, the the longevity and why why would I limit myself? You know, why? Why would I stick to one thing when I can't even sit still? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, that's that's how it works for me. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of like bar conversations or meet up with friends and they're like, um, like, what you been working on? I'm like, well for the album that would come out in seven years i added an interlude and then the album that i would like to drop next year i made two songs for and then the one after that i created an ep in between just to like you know build a bridge to it so it's not so like blunt as far as the change and they're just looking at me like so confused (laughs) um but i also like that where it's like keeping them guessing yeah keeping them guessing keeping them on their toes but also like don't little bro me mm-hmm. just because I'm the youngest in the room or just because, you know, I'm not 
at that point yet. Um, yeah. So we are coming up on time, but we've got a couple Shit. time for a couple more questions. We could go all day, really. Yeah, true. If I didn't have another one, like right after you, bastard. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a fun one too. But um, so two and a half years after that first feature we did, you've mm-hmm. learned a lot. You've had the chance to go inward to experiment musically. If there's one lesson you could go back to the O'Brien of early 2020 and impart upon him that would help him through the past two and a half years, what would that be? Um, See, this is weird because whenever, whenever I watch like a artist interview or a podcast or whatever, they're so quick. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, who are, or, um, what's the question it's like oh like if you were stuck on an island mm-hmm. like what five albums would you bring right and they're like this one this one this one this one and this one mm-hmm. and i'm like how like you just spat that out out of nowhere the um, first five they could think of yeah literally point. um but i don't i don't think i would say anything um i believe in karma a lot i believe in the butterfly effect yes and um i don't know i think what happened during that really led led me to a point of uh, my threshold of acceptance and, you know, how the journey should actually be perceived. Um, And a lot of that was the groundwork. And there was a lot of, you know, frustration. And there was a lot of nights where it was just like, what the fuck? Like everything just got thrown out. Um, you know, I'm still stuck in Connecticut and then made the move to Nashville when really nothing was going on. It was just like, I need to get out. Um, but there's been a lot of nights recently where I'm like driving around, um, and I'm just like, I'm pretty at ease where it's like, okay, like I, I know people here and there's, there's things in motion and there's going to be a lot more things in motion. Um, I don't. I don't think I'd say anything. Yeah. So let the journey be the journey. Yeah. So I mean, you know, <laughs> I would like to be in a better place, but I think that's everything. Yeah. And for anyone, and I think that's part of the process too. Mm-hmm. Is having something to strive for. Yeah. Having a next level to reach because there's always a next level to reach. Yeah. You know, and being patient as you work toward that level being patient with yourself being patient with the circumstances around you realizing each day is just one day yep. don't get too high or too low just keep going it's all process <laughs> oh, i'm not there yet <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean that happens over time yeah you know and like i'm i'm finally just there almost 10 years into doing this you know yeah. within the past year you know but it's it's all part of the process it's all part of the journey yeah you know? so where can people follow the journey Oh shit! Um, yeah, okay. I, I had to pull out the socials. The, the plug. Yeah, the plug. Um, uh, on all social media, it is at tortured him. T O R T U R E D H I M. The guy that has the O'Brien handle is an asshole, so don't get on me for that. Um, and it's not torched, like a you know f- flame or something. It's tortured him. Um, on all platforms, zero dash B R I E N. Um, yeah, 
Thank you so much for That's joining that. us. Thanks for having me, man. We'll this do this awesome. again. Yeah. Hold you to it. Always a great conversation. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And this has been the Quinn Spin. Two ends and Quinn, two ends and spin. Ooh, my battery's not Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to try Panic. Panic. <laughs> was that camera on the whole time yeah camera's been on the whole time oh damn it yeah yeah camera's I been on have the whole addressed time. it it's all right it's all right um okay now i need to start see like when i get out of the flow now yeah, i need yeah, to start yeah. the whole thing over Throw it out of it my my laptop told me i get i guess the charger became loose somehow um and it told Technical me it was about to die so now it's not about to die and this has been the quinn spin two ends and quinn two ends and spin you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor stitcher YouTube, and more. Also, learn more about the show at undergroundmusiccollective.com. That's our central hub for all things independent music, creativity, community, and more. Learn more about UMC on all the socials. I don't feel like naming them all. Also, listen to the UMC 20 playlist on Spotify. That's updated every Tuesday with 20 fresh tracks and the latest episode of The Quinn Spin. NashLive.live. We have more shows coming. I don't have any announced as of recording Working on some things, really gearing up for 2023 more than anything. Kind of want to take a breather, get our show schedule in line, but we'll leave you with something before 2022 is out. So make sure you follow at Nash Live Shows on Instagram. Revel Nine's all I become. Our opening theme song is also our closing theme song. It's going to take us out just like it brought us in, and I'll see you next time. I'll take you